Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cyber Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Live from the Cyber Institute, the podcast from the Cyber Institute at Abilene Christian University. My name is David Knipe, and I'm the Associate Director uh, here at the Cyber Institute. And today I'm getting to visit with Alan Howell, who is the Director of Church Relations for Missions Resource Network. Welcome, Alan. We're glad you're here. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited to get to talk with you today. Yeah, same here. Well, I know some of our audience members will know uh, about Mission Resource Network, but others, it will be brand new. Um, you guys have been around for a long time, so some folks, you know, the, the level of familiarity will probably be uh, quite varied. And so I think this is going to be a really good, uh, really good conversation. Um, well, we're going to talk about MRN more in a moment, but uh, for those of our audience members that maybe haven't met you yet, um, let's let them get to know you a little bit. Can you just tell us some about yourself, your family, uh, your background in ministry, how you got to where you are today? Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, so I grew up in Texas, grew up in Houston. Uh, my wife and I, she grew up in College Station. Her name is Rachel. And um, we, um, we both kind of describe ourselves as like church kids or church nerds. You know, we were uh, really involved in church and youth group. Uh, we ended up meeting each other at uh, Harding University, where we studied uh, as undergraduate students. And um, I, I went uh, to college kind of imagining that I would go into ministry, probably preaching or youth ministry. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never been on a mission trip or a short-term mission trip, but um, I usually tell people that when I when I got to college, I fell in with the wrong crowd and I joined a mission team. And that can, um, that can happen sometimes. I can have, you got to be careful who you hang out with. <laughs> um, and this team was focused on going somewhere in Africa and okay. was trying to work among an unreached people group. And so um, ended up uh, focusing on the country of Mozambique, which is in Southern Africa. Um, Mozambique is a former Portuguese colony. And so the national language is Portuguese. And so, you know, we were a part of that team. Uh, after we graduated from Harding, we moved to Memphis and Rachel and I did campus ministry uh, for a couple of years while I was in graduate school. And so I have a real heart for, for campus ministry and college students. Um, and then um, a church in Nashville uh, sent us to Mozambique, and we lived there for about 15 years. Wow. Uh, we did uh, church planting, disciple making, um, a lot of leadership development. We did a bunch of um, uh, you know different development projects, uh, agriculture, and uh, I ended up uh, building, helping build a pedestrian bridge, which was really funny because kind of one of those, I, I went to Africa thinking I would build like metaphorical bridges between people and God. Right. And, and then I actually got to, got to help build a bridge. So, and, we, I, and I assume you didn't get like a minor in engineering or architecture while you were at Harding. No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> so a, a good Peace Corps friend who was there, who was an engineer, uh, nice. he did that part. And I did some of the other pieces. Um, so our ministry in Mozambique, you know, we got to see a movement of churches uh, really grow and flourish. And so I got to see this movement really scale up from just a handful of churches to uh, by the time we left in 2018, there were about 84 churches, about 3,700 members wow. in the province that we lived in. And so um, learned a lot, um, really watched God do some amazing things. 
Um, a, a lot of our friends there came from a Muslim background, but a lot of like traditional religion. Um, so really a beautiful uh, ministry there working with my American teammates and my uh, Mozambican missionary teammates there. Uh, we ended up starting a Bible school as well as the churches wanted more formal training. Mm-hmm. So a really, really great experience. And then um, got to to leave well, uh, take the advice of our, our mentors and and friends and um, return to the States. Um, and so after 15 years in Mozambique, we moved to Arkansas and um, I was the visiting professor of missions at Harding, teaching uh, undergrad and grad classes and mm-hmm. biblical studies and missions and strategy and global evangelism for about four years. Um, really enjoyed that working with college students um, and teaching. Uh, and then just recently, I've uh, transitioned into, the, into this role with Mission Resource Network as the director of church relations. And so uh, it's been really fun getting to come on board. And um, and really, my role is is focused on church, the church side and helping churches participate well in the mission of God. Man, that's great. So yeah, you've got a real mix of between mission work, kind of more a little more traditional church work, and then the teaching and I imagine that's all going to flow together in some really in some really cool ways. It really has been. It's uh, I, I've laughed a little bit that um, you know college students have helped me figure out what stories really connect with American mm. churches and which stories don't as much. Okay, so it's made working with churches uh, pretty a lot easier because I, I know kind of what what stories really resonate with people and and how to talk about missions um, in in some new ways. Yeah. In some ways, I feel like my experience as a missionary is uh, I feel a little bit a little bit like a dinosaur in that um, I got to do a, a part of missions that doesn't get to happen all that much in the world today just because of like global changes and new dynamics and mm-hmm. growth of the church. Um, it's, um, you know, most places, a lot of places in Africa these days, the church is flourishing and doing great. And so, um, our role as Westerners, uh, more and more is to come alongside as partners and learners and not as much as initiators, but more as like Barnabas types to come alongside and to, to lead. And, and I really learned that in Mozambique, you know, our Mozambican friends were better church planners than I was. Mm-hmm. So uh, really working with them and partnering with them as much as possible uh, was a a fantastic experience. That's great. Well, and we're going to talk in a a minute about just sort of the nature of mission. So that's going to be exciting exciting to hear about. So from what you're describing with your background, it seems like a pretty natural fit that you would be in a role called director of church relations for an organization called Mission Resource Network, because it's bringing together a lot of uh, the parts of your background. Um, but you also told me uh, beforehand that uh, this is actually a new position. So it sounds like MRN is growing. Um, can you kind of, especially again, for those that maybe don't know as much, can you kind of tell us the story of Mission Resource Network and how it's gotten to where it is today? Yeah, that's right. Um, thanks. M- MRN definitely is growing. Um, added some new people this past year, including myself. And uh, this role of uh, director of church relations kind of combines a few threads that other people were doing as part of their roles. Okay. And it really allowing me to focus on being um, a primarily like church facing person for Mission Resource Network. Um, we really see ourselves as a Barnabas type organization. Um, you know, we were created to come alongside the church and really encourage what the church is doing 
doing really help congregational missions and also refine um, what needs to be changed um, to help churches do do missions well and participate mission in missions well. Um, Mission Resource Network, we've been around for about 25 years now. This is our, our 25th year that we're celebrating. And it was initiated by leaders in Churches of Christ who really wanted to respect um, a really good impetus in our heritage of um, congregational autonomy and churches being independent, but not let that independence get in the way of the benefits of collective initiatives and wisdom um, for participating in mission um, so that churches wouldn't keep making the same mistakes over and over again, but instead be able to really uh, participate well in the mission of God. And so MRN has gone through a few different iterations Mm -hmm. over the past 25 years. And, um, but one key value for us that has been really consistent and has been a big orienting principle for us is we see that for a lot of churches, um, missions resources end up being concentrated in some of the most kind of ironically, but they end up being concentrated in some of the most well-served parts of the world. And and there, there are some needs for that, but we also want to work with churches to help them um, focus on cultivating disciple-making movements around the world especially in areas where there is little to no Christian witness. Um, And so that's something that we're really focused on and something that I really resonate from my experience in Mozambique as well. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, even just, I'm going to break in on you for a minute. It sounds like the the, the networking part obviously is a key deal, but I like the way you're talking about even just what resourcing means. I mean, early on, it kind of sounds like providing resources, but now, you know, maybe the resourcing is like, giving vision and insight about like where where might we need to go where are there places that need uh more more of this or that of, of what churches are trying to provide so I mean, that that makes a, a ton of sense to me yeah yeah and i think i think sometimes just having um you know having somebody who can do a, a little bit of coaching or some mm-hmm. insight from the side with experience um i think these days especially ministers are expected to be you know uh social media savvy and be as good as you know you know, a Bible project video and, right. you know, the expectations in so many levels are so high and, and there's no way to be an expert in every area. Mm-hmm. And so MRN, we really want to be, you know, somebody's first call if they just want a sounding board or if they want some help or uh, they've got a situation that they're not sure how to handle. Um, we really want to be, you know, a good resource for that where people know they can turn to and get some help. And, you know, I may not know the answer to their question, but I probably know somebody who does right? So, um, to be able to help out in that way. Um, so um, currently the way that we're structured with MRN, we've got a few different initiatives. We, we've transitioned to being a, an initiative creating or initiate initiative um, partnering organization. And so um, a couple of those that we work with, one is called um, the MedRim Initiative, where we're uh, helping churches work in the Mediterranean Rim, especially among people of uh, Muslim background, uh, dealing with a lot of refugees and trying to meet that need in the world. And so uh, that's a big part of what we do is providing support. Um, We do um, recruiting and training uh, for uh, sending workers to those parts of the world and also providing coaching for those missionaries and strategic help for those American missionaries and for the foreign missionaries that are serving there. And then our newer initiative is called the the Bengal Initiative. Um, And so that's to work with um, Hindu and Buddhist background peoples. Um, uh, A majority of non-Christians in the world, you know, are probably
probably coming from a Muslim background, a Buddhist background, a Hindu background, and uh, a lot of churches on their own may not know how to engage those parts of the world well. Right. And so we want to help them with that. Um, we also have an emerging leaders initiative where we're providing coaching for global church leaders. Um, that's something that uh, we heard from the global church that they wanted help with, hmm. uh, provide more targeted training and assistance for them. And so that's been uh, really important. We also provide a lot of missionary care. We do assessments for missionaries before they go. Yeah. And we found that uh, missionaries who've gone through an MRN assessment and training, they end up staying twice as long, hmm. which is really important, especially since you know it, it costs a lot. There's a lot that goes into um, sending a missionary. So if we can keep them on the field longer, um, that's going to be a huge, a huge benefit. Um, And it's been really fun coming on board with MRN, but also I felt a little bit jealous where I'm like, man, I wish I had gotten that uh, training. And also I wish I'd gotten that strategic coaching while I was Mm -hmm. uh, on the field, but I did benefit from the missionary care uh, that MRN offered. Um, Our family, we experienced a home invasion when we were in Mozambique and Mm. People who did missionary, Dottie Schultz, uh, who did missionary care at MRN for a long time, she was one of the first people to reach out and um, give us some really good practical advice and empathy um, that was huge. And so um, it's been fun and good for me to just see the ways that my own story has connected with MRN and how I can personally vouch for uh, how important that is. Um, my focus is really on church equipping, and we can say a little bit more about that in a minute. Okay. Um, Another initiative that's been really uh, fun and exciting is the Atlantic Bridge Initiative. And this is one where um, we're hoping to facilitate and have been facilitating conversations and and trips for African-American church leaders to go to Africa Mm. and meet with churches over there and have some good cross-pollination and conversations. And um, that's been a a really exciting thing and something that's also uh, intersecting with my experience uh, serving in in Southern Africa. And so it's been fun to to see that and learn more about that. Um, And so, you know, all of these initiatives and programs that we're a part of, um, really, we're trying to help address current needs in the church and help the church really think about, you know, what time is it today and how should the global church, how should the American church be involved uh, and do that well um, to to really um, be good friends and partners and sisters and brothers with the global church? Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. I mean, we've already been talking about how I mean, the world is changing uh, in so many ways and so quickly. Uh, But one thing I've noticed just in the last, say, 20 years or so, kind of from when I was in seminary uh, and then uh, till now, it's just even what we mean by the term missions or mission work um, has really been changing over the last several decades. So how would you kind of in terms of your own work, how would you define that term or that idea for people? And maybe could you could you illustrate that with some stories? I imagine you've seen it go well, but you maybe have also seen it go poorly. Yeah, boy, that's uh, <laughs> that is so true. Um, there's a lot of good that happens in missions and there's a lot of bad that happens in missions. I was reading a book recently. It was talking about the the missionary halo and how sometimes um, mission work can have kind of a halo around it. And the American church can honor it and think that it's really good. Um, and that's that's good. But also there sometimes that missionary halo can kind of blind us to some of the things that aren't working so well and mm-hmm. some of the things that need to change and even some harm that has happened because of, you know, people going in with a very paternalistic mindset 
or, um, you know, the impact of colonialism or assuming that, you know, anything we do overseas uh, would be good instead of being uh, really good listeners and learners. And um, and I think that's true for the American church, but I think this is an important conversation really for for, um, churches of any background. Uh, Your question about what is missions made me think about um, a recent church equipping that I did in Tennessee, a really fun story of a church who um, has welcomed a Swahili speaking church Mm -hmm. uh, to their building. And so there's a Swahili church service and an English church service happening. And as these churches have grown closer and closer together, the Swahili church made up of people mostly from the Congo, asked the English-speaking church, hey, can you help us send a missionary uh, to the Congo? And so this church uh, knows me and and said, hey, can you, Alan, can you come in and help us just work through what this would even look like? And I said, oh, this is great. I mean, this is the future of missions right here. Like, this is really exciting. And um, as we were talking, we ended up having to talk about what is missions. And it wasn't just the English-speaking church, but also the Swahili-speaking church. We needed to work through what that really meant. Um, When I think about what missions is, um, just because something is overseas uh, doesn't mean that it's actually missions. Mm. Uh, Sometimes we have like the myth of saltwater that... Uh, as soon as a ministry crosses a uh, a body of salt water, um, magically it becomes uh, missions, and yeah. that's just not, <laughs> not a good way of thinking about that. Um, being overseas may be an interesting side detail, but it may not actually be relevant to whether a work is missions or not. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, and this is the way we talk about it at MRN, um, I think missions it needs to have two key characteristics okay. uh, based on you know what. Jesus is doing and what he teaches in the gospels. And so maybe we could think of this as like M&Ms. So the first one is uh, making disciples. So uh, missions is about making disciples in a holistic way. So we're going to be caring for the whole person with the end goal of making disciples. And then the other M would be um, multiplication that we're really focused on multiplication. Um, It can actually do harm when an American church is just like paying a local, a local preacher in a church somewhere, you know, for 30 or 40 years, that local preacher, you know, may have a a missional heart, but if that preacher in another part of the world is, is not really focused on multiplication or, um, you know, trying to um, really train and, and make disciples and build up people in the congregation, that may not really be missions. It may just be like, a money pit, you know, where we're just throwing money at that. And I don't, I don't mean to throw, you know, certain things under the bus, but I do think we need to ask really important questions and we do need to support works and workers from other parts of the world, but especially when they're making disciples and they're really focused on multiplication. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing before, even a couple, couple uh, questions ago, you know, it would be easy to confuse things like just even foreign aid, um, at sort of a you know national political level, you know there are elements of that 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 Christians do. That's great. And what you're describing right now, you know, I might put that in the category of church support. You know, churches overseas and in different places, they could benefit from financial support. But that doesn't mean that's the same thing as missions. If I'm understanding you right, and I think that that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to need to do you know in the for the future of missions, we're going to have to um, probably listen more, listen longer, mm-hmm. ask good questions, go and visit. Um, uh, missions, uh, it really needs to be more than just writing a check. It's going to take some involvement and it's going to take, you know, having good partners that we can lean on to help make sense of what we're experiencing and seeing. 
Um, and so often I'll talk with churches, you know, missions committees who will be like, hey, this is happening with my missionary. Is this normal? Mm. And I'll be able to say, oh, yeah, that's normal. And, you know, don't expect in the first term. We've got to think about what what does first term fruit look like? Mm. But also sometimes we do, do need to ask hard questions and and practice good accountability and make sure that what we're doing is uh, really healthy and not, um, you know, producing harm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so given kind of that definition, I really like that that M and M approach, the making disciples and looking at multiplication. If you are interacting with churches, which is what you know you've been describing, it's it's in your title. What would it look like for a local congregation to be involved in missions like that? I mean, you know, I think we, you know we're very familiar with the old model. Let's let's raise money. Let's have a mission fund. Let's let's send somebody out. I imagine there's some of that that's there, but I imagine that's also changing. Would you, what would you say to that? Yeah. Well, I think, I think part of it, you know, depends on, you know, our vision for what, you know, what is the church and what is the church supposed to be like? Hmm. I think those metaphors can really shape what our engagement in missions is going to be. And um, uh, there, there's an idea that from Danielle Schroyer that I think about a lot where she kind of gives different uh, operating principles or different visions or metaphors for what uh, a church could be like. And, uh, you know, she says like, well, some churches think of themselves and we could imagine this in terms of like cross-cultural work or like foreign work. Some churches uh, see themselves as like a cruise ship uh, where it's like, Hey, we got to have a bunch of activities and Mm -hmm. um, the the focus might be on, you know, the individual's experience and like a short-term mission trip or something like that. Um, a, A cruise ship approach. Um, other churches may see themselves more in like a culture wars approach or more like a battleship, like, okay. Hey, we go and we got to conquer this other area or this other land. Mm-hmm. And that metaphor is definitely going to shape the way that they think about engagement. And then I think some churches, especially these days, as we see a lot of churches, you know, shrinking, we may have more of like a, a circle the wagons or maybe like, you know, for a boat metaphor, think about like a houseboat. Like we're just going to really focus on our houseboat uh. and stay in port. And um, instead of like a flight of fancy or a fight or a freeze, uh, instead of those two approaches, we're going to freeze and just try to stay here and um, circle the wagons. And um, Daniel Schroyer, she says, you know, a better image for this is to think about the church um, more like a sailboat where we're trying to um, raise up the sail and follow the wind of God's spirit, where God's spirit is going to lead us. Mm-hmm. And um, while that's a beautiful picture, it also is a little scary because <laughs> yeah. it we may it may mean that we don't depend on our outboard motor and we, we're really depending on God's God's spirit to lead us where we need to go. And so when I think about participating in the mission of God, I think it's going to mean really starting as a listener and a learner, um, being willing to risk and and appreciate that God might lead us into uncharted waters and into Mm -hmm. uncomfortable spaces. And the fact that like the world has come to our door may mean that God is opening up opportunities in other parts of the world as well through our neighbors. And so um, when, when we go in and work with churches, we often will ask about, hey, what's, what's going on in your neighborhood? What types of people do you have around here? And how could that be an opportunity to connect with a, a global population that it may be actually impossible for an American to go to? Right. Um, so asking questions about what's near, asking questions about what's far. 
Um, I think the uh, the boat metaphor is one that can be really helpful. Um, another metaphor that I think about also is, um, and this is kind of like an old school or um, an old school metaphor, but uh, think about like the joy bus from you oh. know a few decades ago, sure. and and you know using some Jim Collins you know uh, imagery here. Um, I think a lot of times the American church we thought that we were the ones who were supposed to be driving the bus. Mm-hmm. Or at least like holding the GPS because we thought that, you know, since we paid for the gas that we should decide, you know, where this bus is going. I think a new position in missions that we're going to need to adapt as the American church is a willingness to maybe um, not sit in the front of the bus, but be willing to be in the back of the bus and maybe even goof off a little bit and Mm. and learn uh, from people who are traveling with us. Um, and, and really become good partners and listeners and learners. Uh, I think that's going to be key for the future of the church. And that doesn't mean that we have to stop everything that we've been doing, but it does may mean that we need to ask good questions about how we can do what we're doing well. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think about that that boat metaphor, man, you, I mean, just from a Church of Christ perspective, you could do so much with the book of Acts. I mean, not just the part where Paul's on the boat, but just that idea of, being willing to go um, sometimes where the church sends, you know, I'm thinking of Acts 13. I mean, Paul, Saul and Barnabas, I mean, the church, while they're praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit says set apart, they lay hands, they send them out. But then other times they're clearly like in Acts 16, having to respond to where the spirit says no, but then also to where the spirit seems to be saying uh, yes. So I think, you know, that, that one's got a whole lot of purchase. And with certain audiences, of course, you go back to the joy bus and people are going to be they're going to be right there with you. They're going to know what you're talking about. That's right. Well, and, and to go back to the boat metaphor for a minute, even just thinking about, you know, Peter stepping out of the boat and mm. rough waves, but Jesus is there. Right. Yep. And, um, and I think when we think about missions, we have to remember that wherever we're going in the world, Jesus is already there and, uh, and inviting us to join him in what he's doing. And so, you know, we're not, we're not creating mission. We're not the initiators of mission. Instead, we're uh, we're joining what God is already doing in the world, and and I think that's a foundational approach. That if we don't get that right, we'll we'll probably end up um, getting a lot of missions wrong. Yeah, no, I think that's right. So you you've told us already that part of your ministry background was this long time in Mozambique, and I know uh, that MRN is heavily connected with international missions partners. We've kind of been talking more at this point about maybe things here stateside, but what are y'all hearing from folks in those other places? Maybe uh, places that in the past we might might have thought of as, you know, target areas to go to our, one of those other uh, images. What are you hearing from international folks about what missions can or should look like? Yeah, well, th- I think this is this is a really key thing to discuss because, um, you know, I think the older time, uh, the older paradigm of missions was it's from the West to the rest. And now it looks more like, you know, uh, from everyone to everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. that there's like a big missions traffic jam as we're all going to all different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and really, um, remembering the fact that, Hey, you know, uh, the, the center of the global church, you know, maybe it used to be in, you know, Europe and, um, and maybe the, uh, the average uh, Christian might look like, uh, me, uh, but these days, you know, the center of the church is in Africa and it's, you know, the average Christian, um, is gonna, gonna look like the global church. And so, uh, this is really, really important. Um, uh, during COVID MRN, you know, just while a lot of different organizations and churches, a lot of things had to go on pause. 
MRN facilitated some listening groups with some global church, a lot of global church uh, leaders to really listen and say, hey, what do you want us, what message do you want us to take to the American church? And two key ideas that we heard um, have become um, some like position papers or like handbooks or resources that we've got available on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of those, one of the messages from the global church was, we need you guys to do short-term missions better. Mm. Uh, the old paradigm of doing short-term missions is just isn't working. And there's a lot of abuse and neglect in that way of doing things. And so uh, we want the American church to do the short-term missions better. And then the other big idea was that we actually want better partnerships and um, some of the cultural issues that came into play in that had to do with dynamics of like honor and shame. Uh, A lot of cultures around the world are more like honor and shame cultures than guilt innocence. And so that's a dynamic that the American church um, needs to understand better. And also just the dynamics of patronage and the way that money and power function in other parts of the world. It's just different than the way that the American church uh, is used to doing things. Yeah. And I'm going to break in on you with a message for our audience. If you haven't yet heard uh, this episode back several episodes ago, my colleague in the Cybert Institute, Shelby Coble, uh, visited with one of my teaching colleagues here at ACU, Chris Flanders, one of our longtime uh, missionaries and missions professors, talking about that very thing, especially about honor and shame, not only what that looks like overseas, but even uh, what that looks like in our own churches, because it, it's something that we're familiar with. We sometimes think, oh, that's that's people like over there and other places, but we still operate that way. And it, it's a really good episode, I think, just for helping folks just sort of see you know, what does that mean? What does it look like? And why is it relevant? It's not, it's not sort of a, a vestige of, you know, some sort of old or backward or pre-modern culture. It's kind of a fundamental way that we seem to interact with each other as humans. And so that might be a good one to listen to next, um, if you haven't yet, to be able to give some, uh, give some more context here. So Alan, go back, go back to what you were saying about things that y'all are hearing. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad you highlighted that. I've learned a lot from Dr. Flanders. We've had a lot of good conversations about honor and shame in mm-hmm. Asia and in Africa. And uh, I hope I hope everybody will check out that episode. Um, yeah, so um, short-term missions and then also how to have better um, indigenous partnerships. Mm-hmm. Use the image of like a stable table and what would it mean to come to the table and really have good, um, clear partnerships and how do we work through that well? And so that's a, that's an area that um, I love helping churches with. Um, there's a, you know, going back to the table metaphor, we could just think about, we're probably going to, in order to have good partnerships, in order to do short-term missions well, we're going to need to be spending more time with global church leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a video by um, Dr. Mary Ho. Uh, she talks about the need for leaders to drink tea together okay. and just spend, spend time drinking tea or drinking coffee together and talking and building those relationships. And she uses this image that I think is really powerful. She says that a lot of times um, these days, the American church wants to welcome global partners to the table to enjoy a meal together, which is great. But what would be even better would be to join the global church in the kitchen to mm. try to cook together um, what we can do uh, and what we should do. And I think when we do that, we'll end up with something that is much more palatable, much more delicious, much more nourishing <laughs> for everybody involved. And so, um, so those are two things that I would love to help, you know, any churches work through, um, because, you know, those, those are complicated. These are difficult. And so MRN, we're trying to provide some resources that can help churches with that. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. That's something I've I've been thinking about a lot, just from conversations with other colleagues about, 
you know, a, a, a very important Christian virtue, of course, is hospitality. And yeah. also, um, as some theologians have pointed out, you know, one of the challenges with the idea of hospitality is if I still think of it as my house that I'm inviting you into, then there's still this power dynamic as opposed to if we are all the temple of God, if we are all the body of Christ, you know, using some of these New Testament images, there's more sharing. And like you're saying, there's more partnership there. And that's a very different thing than if I perceive myself to be the owner, the master, the householder, whatever it is uh, that we're talking about here. That move from like seeing ourselves as host to Mm -hmm. seeing ourselves as guest Mm -hmm. uh, is really beautiful and important. And, you know, we could think about what Jesus says in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 about, you know, when he sends out, you know, two by two, these short-term missionaries, he sends them out as guests. And so um, that's the way that we're going to, we're going to need to be in guest mode, maybe more than host mode um, in order to do missions well. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to imagine that some folks in our audience are super excited. They are motivated and, and they have heard you say, we need to spend more time with global church leaders. And they might be thinking, how in the world could I possibly do that? I belong to a little church. We don't necessarily have resources. We don't necessarily have connections, you know, but they're, they're wanting to think proactively. So if part of your role is to interface with churches who are interested in this, they're, they're wanting to talk about missions, um, can it give us a, give us a sense of what kind of situations or scenarios would make a church want to reach out to you? Like, what are some things that maybe our listeners are experiencing that would be good reasons to get in touch with you? Hmm, that's good. Well, um, you mentioned, you know, what happens when a church leader really wants to understand the global church better. Um, uh, this uh, in 2024, we're going to have uh, a couple of trips uh, that we're calling Experience the Med Rim, where uh, a handful of people can go and spend just a few days in the Mediterranean Rim mm-hmm. uh, learning like what is going on and um, how can I better understand and pray for and listen to um, and really see what's going on in the church. And so that's a really good opportunity, probably not for everybody, but sure. Uh, but for some people. And so I'd love to talk about that or other uh, other options and opportunities for um, learning more from global church leaders. Um, as far as scenarios that churches uh, tend to reach out to us, um, you know, one of the ways that, uh, that that tends to happen a lot is if a church wants to start a missions program and they don't really know what to do, okay. um, we can help with that. Or if they need to reboot a missions program, you know, maybe if a key church leader has moved or passed away mm. or... Um, just moved into a different season of life and the the missions committee, um, sometimes people who are chosen as a missions committee uh, chairperson may realize, oh man, we really need some help and some training here. Yeah. Um, we want to we reboot this, then we can come in and help with that. I, I would imagine also, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if y'all are getting some of that right now, especially as, as post-pandemic, as much as we're post-it, um, churches are dealing with lower attendance and sometimes having to make some budget decisions where they they still want to be really involved in missions, but are having to think differently about things like resource allocation and whatnot. Yeah, no, that's right. And and I think even some churches are realizing, hey, we used to do kind of a $100 here, $100 there approach. Mm-hmm. And now we'd like to focus more and have more of a strategic, hey, yep. let's focus on doing one thing well or two things well. Yep. And then what what should that be? Um, and sometimes that may even involve graciously ending a mission effort mm. that it's time to stop. 
And, um, and so that's an important conversation to have, and we can help uh, do that well. Uh, I love connecting churches who are looking for missionaries and missionaries who are looking for churches, that's um, great. Helping, helping find that. Uh, that's kind of tough in our fellowship. There's not a good system for that. And so mm-hmm. um, helping find a good fit can do that. We'll do workshops and labs to help churches work through some big picture. You know, what, what are the mission, vision, and values um, what are our like strengths and weaknesses doing like a SWOT analysis and kind of working through that. Um, we also do missionary care workshops. If churches want to know how to do that better, um, sometimes even just restructuring, uh, missions programs within the life of the church. I've learned a lot over the last few months talking to different church leaders to see how they've even organized their missions committees. Mm-hmm. I think there's structural change that can really help them be more successful. Um, and then even when churches want to help kind of bring um, local and global impact into more alignment, um, we can help uh, work through like the process of that. And so, man, if there's uh, even sometimes if it's just a question of, hey, this person reached out for support and I'm interested, but something seems a little fishy. Can mm-hmm. you help me understand that? Um, sometimes we may have some connections that can help um, validate or vouch for or connect people with the right people to talk to to make sure that's a good fit for your church. So um, that's a big uh, that's a big bag, uh, but a, a lot of different ways that we can uh, we can step in and help. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the things we've been talking about, you know, we've use language like resourcing you've used the language of equipping and that that's that seems like it fits so well you know because sometimes equipment in this case is going to be more information sometimes it's going to be guidance sometimes it's going to be relationship uh networking and and you guys are able to do all of those things which i think is is great um well alan i am so thankful for the time we've been able to spend together i know this is going to be a blessing to our audience and uh and and beyond right as they're sharing this and thinking about kind of their own work and uh, so if they want to hear more about MRN and your work with them, how should people connect with you? Is there, should they go to the website? Is it social media? Send you an email? What, what do you think the best way to connect is? Yeah. So our website is um, mrnet.org. So a uh, real simple mrnet.org. And then my email address, that's probably the best way to get in touch. So it's okay. Alan, A-L-A-N dot Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L at M-R-N-E-T.org. So yeah, send me an, an email. I'd love to set up a time to talk and um, see if there's any way that we can we can help and learn uh, from from what you and your church are up to. That's great. So so I'm, I'm just curious, do, do y'all tend to say it M-R-N-E-T or do you usually say M-R-N-E-T? Uh, MR net or uh, uh, one of my colleagues says, Mr. Net, just always remember <laughs> what it is. So, uh, but uh, MRNET.org. Okay. Very good. Well, and I'm, and I'm looking at that website right now, uh, folks, if you go there, MRNET.org, go to the about section and you drop down and there's a, there's a link to staff uh, where you'll see Alan and the other folks uh, that are there. So those are some, some great ways to be able to connect. Uh, well, folks, at the center of our work in the Cyber Institute is the idea of partnership, whether it's partnering with churches and hosting events, working with ministers and helping them find jobs, or connecting with like-minded organizations who want to support and equip churches. Uh, and, and that's an example of what we're doing today. But of course, another part of that has to do with funding and financing, uh, because MRN and the Cyber Institute are both institutions that partner with donors to make their ministry run. Uh, and we're recording this podcast in the month of December. And so lots of folks have year-end giving on their minds. 
Um, we know that you could be listening to this at any time, but we just invite you um, as you think about the next time you're making donations to good causes, you might consider supporting the Cyber Institute and MRN. Um, you can do that at our websites, uh, www.mrnet.org um, and www.cyberinstitute.org. Uh, and of course, for our podcast, you can always access all of our episodes at cyberinstitute.org podbean.com. Uh, thanks again, Alan, and thanks to our listeners for being with us today. Thanks. You bet. Blessings to you all. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cyber Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.